The Everyman Podcast, the place where real men talk. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Everyman Podcast. Tonight is episode six, and we have a very special guest tonight, Andrew Hankin. So Andrew is an expert in suicide prevention. He has an extremely powerful story around his own experiences with mental health. And he's coming on our podcast tonight to share not only his own experiences, but maybe some of the things that people can do to understand their own mental health and combat thoughts around suicide. Dean and Ethan are joining me tonight. How are you both doing? I'm doing well, mate. Not too bad. Missed last week. Keen, keen as anything to get into it again today. Um, so yeah, looking forward to this one. This uh, this guest, you know, suicide prevention. Uh, it's a big part of of what we need here in the in the northeast and stuff. So I'm uh, keen to see what he's got to say um, and get to know a bit more about his story and business. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Same here. Do you know? I think it's something. You know, I've been affected quite a bit by this. Um, you know, Sally lost two two friends, one of which Lou was quite close to as well. Um, you know, knew him for over ten years, so it, it's a big subject for me, and it's it's something that so I'm looking forward to exploring and trying to sort of open up on a bit of a too, taboo subject. You know, despite it being sort of well taught about these days, it is still, in my opinion, quite a taboo subject with a, a not real clear pathway. So it will be interesting to see. Um, good to have you back, Dino, as well. Uh, we had uh, Joby on last week. Um, Joby oh, was our special guest. Silent, yeah, Silent Job. Silent Job, he, who proceeded to ask the guest questions, answer the questions, then ask a different <laughs> question. So we've, we've put Joby on a one-match ban. He's got a straight red card for for last week. He's yeah. on a one-week one, one week ban. And then brought Dino back in in his new jumper, which nobody's ever seen before. <laughs> Dino, you do absolutely love representing the King's Arms, I have to be honest. It's very yeah, impressive, yeah. mate. It's it's baggy on you now, though. It is yeah, baggy. Yeah. Dino's been smashing the weight loss, to be fair. Um, for any of our new listeners as well, the King's Arms is a football team that Lou and a few of the lads set up a couple of years ago through our work. Um, it was for us to sort of have a bit of a release mental health-wise and, you know, we... We enjoy playing football together. You know, not all of us played for Plymouth Argyle like Lewis did, but you know, we we uh, set a high, a high standard. We set a high standard, and you know, it's Dino flies the flag. You had a good game on the weekend, Dean, didn't you? Did he score? Did you get man the after something? Oh, did I see? Or... No, I played. I played ninety minutes in centre mid. Can you believe that, Lewis? Oh, wow! Did oh. well there, mate. Against Scotsman. Oh. Poor hard work, mate. I'm I'm sore today. No, I bet. I'll guess, no, I bet. I'll, I was gonna say, I'll guess won't know what a Scotsman is, but other than north of the border. But uh, yeah, you see, they're, they're, yeah. Like, thanks for Dean. Thanks for Paul. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I think on that cue, just Google let's it. bring it. Just Google it. Well, on just that cue, let's bring it. in. <laughs> yeah, definitely not going to well, do that. that. Let's bring... on, on that on that cue, mate. <laughs> This is what oh, I have to put up with every, on every single week. I'm going to bring Andrew in on that queue. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Yes, I've uh, just come back from a very wet 10k run in the uh, rain, uh, but that's Manchester for you. But yeah, all good. Yeah, the joys of winter weather currently in the UK for our international listeners there. Um, boys, how are you doing tonight? Do you know Ethan? 
Ah, not too bad, mate. I missed one last week, so I'm keen to get back into it again today. Um, but yeah, looking forward to this episode in particular. Yeah, been a been a good week. Um, looking forward to getting getting through the subject. It's a it's a tough one tonight, but uh, we will start off yeah. well with Lou doing his intro very nice and smoothly. So thanks for that, Lou. Appreciate. It. <laughs> thanks, Ethan. Cheers, mate. There's Thank Ethan you. stepping up on the on the ripping, nice and early on the podcast. Good job of that. I'm hosting and not able to to fight back tonight, which is great. Okay, so, well, it's not about us tonight. It is about Andrew. It, we have a, a very special guest in Andrew here. Um, Andrew, do you mind just telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Um, not in too much detail, but just to give the listeners a, a rough idea who Andrew is. Um, that's a wide question. So it is, um, yeah. It is. <laughs> I, I won't go all the way back to the beginning, but um, I'm 45. Uh, I live in Manchester. Um, I've got a son, Oscar, who is 14. Jessica's 12. Um, I've been married to my wife, Lou, for... Oh, I shouldn't have committed to that because I'm going to get the years wrong. Yeah. Pop. Very brave. Very brave on a podcast 15, 15 well. 16 years. Uh, we've been together for 20. Um, and, you know, she's a, she's a legend, um, as we'll come into a bit later. Um, but um, I run a, a few different businesses at the moment. Um, but, yeah. you know, one of my passions and has been for, for a long time um, has been around... Um, mental health and particularly suicide prevention um, and that's a, a long story in itself which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get on to um, but that's what Hero Transformations um, was, was set up to do um, was to put a dent in in global suicide I'm sure you've chatted about the the stats um, previously uh, on it um, yeah. but yeah that, that's me in a nutshell currently. No that, that's great to hear um, I suppose my, my first point would be, um, obviously, tonight we're talking about suicide. Um, Dean, Ethan, it's a subject that we've kind of broached up on previous episodes. And, and it's one, Ethan, that you alluded to, something that you're really excited to talk about tonight. What? So, Dean and, and Ethan, before we get into sort of Andrew's story, just very briefly, is it something that you guys have struggled with in the past? Is it an issue that's come up in your life? Yeah, I would say so. I I believe this there's obviously been a lot I've mentioned in the past around past around my mental health and you know yeah. issues with my weight. Obviously, Andrew, I'm a I'm a bigger guy. Um, you know, the, the biggest I've been sort of 36, 37 stone. So, you know, that's took a massive toll on my mental health and, and sort of losing that weight. And I'm lucky and fortunate enough to have some amazing people in my life who sort of dragged me out of the gutter. Um, you know, and my pals, uh, especially like to Rob Ryan, people like that. Um, who really, really pulled me up. We were speaking about this before, about having those sort of people in your life which can really drag you up. Um, yeah. There's also been a, a few instances which we'll no doubt touch on later on where I've been really affected um, outside of m- myself personally um, and, and lost two close friends through suicide, uh, which was a massive shock, but obviously we'll, we'll touch a bit on that later. I don't know about you, Dean. I mean, what about yourself? Yeah, like I was saying, mental health-wise, probably when I was younger, I didn't really think too much of it. I I used to think it was just people, things you people used to say. But as you get older and you start to see more of it, you, you start to experience it yourself and stuff like that, you know. Um, but suicide, as I was saying earlier, there must have been now about three or four people in my in my year that have killed themselves, and that's just my year in my school. Um, out of like what 80, 80 kids, so um. Mm-hmm. You know, up here in the northeast, I think it is, and again, not 
pulling away from anywhere else in the UK, but I think in the northeast here, um, it is a massive issue. Um, and you know, anything that we can do to prevent it, I mean, even just opening up on these podcasts has been a big, uh, big eye opener for me. Just some of the stuff that I've alluded to with with the alcohol and stuff like that. It's just there. Uh, I think it's keen to share, you know, and gain a little bit of knowledge on how to how to better uh, better your mental health. You know. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Dean. I agree with you there, mate. And and uh, there's been a lot of people reached out. I mean, before this before this episode, I know Lewis, you've been working a lot behind the scenes, and there's quite a lot of enthusiasm to hear Andrew's story and also sort of explore the work that that he's done in the past and sort of the, the battles that he fights. I mean, before go on, Andrew, say things. What about yourself, Lou? Have, have you been sort of affected by these issues? Or yeah, I think there's probably been a couple of moments in my life where. I've had darker thoughts. Um, we, we've spoke about a time previously, and I think it was on the alcohol episode where we're talking about where maybe I had a bit more money than our friends group and because I had a business and I, I was able to go out and be a bit flash Harry, like a complete dickhead, to be honest. Um, just being honest, you, you're young, had more money than I, I really probably should have had and gone on nights out being an idiot. But then when I lost my business and I went from being the guy who could go on a night out and do whatever I had more money than again than, than I probably deserved then when I lost literally everything and Ethan you you were around me at that period of time I, I did really struggle with that and, and I remember there was times um, without going into too much detail because this is just the start of, of the conversation but um, for example, then not having a car and being stood at a metro station thinking I'm going to get on a metro and times just before that the train comes up thinking, wouldn't it just be easier if I just stepped? And then that was it. And and, and that thought was that it probably happened for a couple of weeks where the pressure of what I was dealing with around losing my business, um, losing my income, losing some self-respect, losing probably that element of self-worth and that that perception in my head of what I thought I was to then I was nothing. Um, it was a very humbling experience that which I learned a lot from, but I, I didn't deal with that very well at that moment in time. Um, thankfully, it was nothing more than a, a period of time, which I then overcome and did a lot of research, understood, spoke to people, um, which, which was super helpful. But it was, it, it was definitely a really scary moment. And... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a topic that I feel no matter what we talk about on the podcast, whoever is struggling, there's, there's a very good chance if they don't get help, they ultimately end up at this conversation of, is suicide the answer? So if you don't deal with your alcohol addiction if you or your drug addiction or your gambling or whatever that might be, ultimately you may end up at this conversation of, is life really worth it? Do I, is it easier just to end my life? So I think it's a really important topic for us to to discuss tonight, and I'm sure we'll have lots of future conversations around it. Um, I think that's probably a great segue for us to speak to our guest, uh, Andrew. And uh, Andrew, you alluded to in, in sort of the pre-chat that we had earlier around, there's, there's probably a deeper story for yourself other than the work that you've that you do and that you've done around mental health and suicide, but there's probably a, a much deeper rooted story around your own mental health and the experiences you've had with suicide. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you're, you're open to sharing some of that with us and, and it would be keen to understand your, your story. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it, it was interesting. Dino touched on it uh, briefly there, and it's funny how your some of your earliest perceptions or some of your earliest memories are formed by what what people tell you. And I distinctly remember uh, a teacher in secondary school dismissing instantly d depression is not a thing. He was saying it's it's not a thing. It's a it's a Western um, creation. No one in Africa is depressed. And at the time, I must have been maybe 14 or 15. And I'd never really, you know, talked about, um, you know, mental health certainly wasn't talked about. I'm quite old now. But, but back in the day then, you know, I refer to it now just as, as, as health. But that yeah. sort of stuck with me at the time of, oh, well, that, that's a made up thing. Okay, next, what, 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 what we're going to learn about next. And, um, I held, you know, embarrassing, but I'm, you know, open enough and ugly enough to sort of admit mistakes. I held that view for probably the next 20 odd years or so thinking, oh, it's just, it's, it's just people ma making stuff up and this, this isn't a thing, but it, it was, it was formed at a very, very yeah. early ish age. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the work that you guys are doing, the work that I've done, the work that, you know, so many organizations, mine, Paprius, or, or you know, I'll put in together, it, it's now a thing. And I've always been, you know, since I'll come on to my story in a moment, but, you know, I constantly talk to, my kids about depression and you know we don't shy away from it and stuff and you've only got to sit in a sauna with me for 30 seconds or people know my life story and what happened with uh with, with all that sort of stuff because i'm you know i want as many people to to hear about it and and normalize it um as yeah. possible and i think a lot of people so i'm going off on tangents here a lot of people sometimes shy away from that because they they don't have a solution or they don't have an answer and no one really does. Um, but being able to to talk to somebody about it or share something with somebody is is massively important. And people should never think I, I want to shy away from that conversation because I, I don't have a solution. And I think as humans and particularly as 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 men, yeah, we try and solve stuff. You know, we we we, we want to you know, on a very basic level, want to be hunter gatherers and put shelter over our head and put food on the table. And if we can't, you know, we'll, we'll go and try and solve it. And I think this is. You know a hugely complex issue which there isn't you know you can't you got a headache you don't just take a couple of paracetamol and, and you're sorted again um yeah and you know, e even the stuff that i do now and the stuff that i have to structure my day with now it's you know i'm significantly better than when i was but it's mm -hmm. that process doesn't stop that's that's yeah. a continuing journey and, and and will be for the next 30 40 50 years or so yeah um Sorry, what was the original question? <laughs> no, no. Uh, firstly, before before we, we revert back to that, I think you've made some really interesting points, and it's something that we have touched upon in the podcast before, um, that when you have a, a mental health, and you call it health, and, and I think health is definitely the right term, uh, when you have a, a health incident in your life where actually you come across some challenges, the way to getting better isn't trying to find a solution that is permanent. Like you can't, for the challenges that I've had, I know I will never find a day where my battles are done. And then mm. I'm just click my fingers and life just moves on in this utopia way for the rest of my life. I've accepted that I'm going to have to do things that make me um, push the negative thoughts away or make me feel better versus just expecting living life just going through the motions i'm just going to be okay within my own mental sort of health well-being um and i think that's a big realization on the road to recovery 
So I yeah. just wanted to sort of focus on that point because I think it's a really key one. If people focus on the destination of being healthier and just think I'm going to get there and then it's done, you're probably setting yourself up to fail. You've just got to accept that you're on that journey for, as you say, for probably the rest of your life. Yes, there is there is no destination. It, it yeah. is just a, a journey of, of continually trying to Im improve stuff and again getting ahead of myself here it's and it's doing those small things he's doing those small things every day over a long period of time which yeah which which, which makes it work so i think it's um just so i don't get in trouble for plagiarism but i think it was tony robbins who said you know people massively um overestimate what they can achieve in in a month and massively underestimate Under what they can achieve in yeah in, in a year five years ten yeah. years 20 years um yeah um, and you know we we hugely beat ourselves up over this as well. And you, you talked about it, Lou, in your in your introduction. It, it's and you know, as a, as a parent, I think you, you you constantly worry. But I certainly I worry a lot more about the next generation than than this generation because you know you talked about and we'll, we'll come on to work in a minute. But you talked about the almost shame you felt with with losing your job and not having the money and yeah. having to get the um, the metro the metro sure, yeah. um you know getting on a bus and, and 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 things like that sort of thing whereas you know when when i was growing up and around that sort of time i only had sort of like a close sort of 10 people that i'd needed to go right i've got me done a trainers on i'm okay i've got yeah. my carbon plan t-shirt and i'm only trying to impress 10 people which is fine and you know i'll own that whereas yeah. certainly now and you know you just got to look at the basic numbers i think twenty-eight thousand people follow me on linkedin you know 5,000 yeah. plus follow on Facebook. So that's, yeah. that's magnified yeah. across, you know, and everyone's, you know, I'm sure you'd be able to do a, a different podcast on, on social media, but that's an issue. If you're trying yeah. to impress and live your best life in the tens of thousands, you know, and I, I don't really use Instagram, but I believe that's significantly worse with filters and, you know, the kids are yeah. on Snapchat and stuff. It's just, yeah. you're never, and it's not a good thing. You're... No, I agree. Andrew, so... just uh, just touching on that, yeah, sorry to cut you in, mate. Um, you, you know, it's a long day, uh, a long time since those sort of 10 people you were impressing with your trainers and Calvin Klein t-shirt. And the, the thing is for you, a, a phrase I'll go to now because of the fact that um, the fact that you've got your 20-odd thousand people on LinkedIn, 5,000 people, a, a, such a massive number for the work you do, and a quote that's come to mind is, you can't please everyone all the time. And that is such a massive, and it must be, speaking obviously to you, it must be a massive burden for you to shoulder, knowing that something you say, something you do, is going to have so many good effects on so many people, but also you're going to ruffle a few feathers. And that must be a massive burden for you, obviously, and the pressure must be unreal because of those numbers that you're following. I mean, do, do you find that sort of pressure? Do you, do you get much sort of push back at all how, how do you find that in, in being in the environment you are do you know i've always you're always going to get haters and you know it, it is always on them and you know hurt hurt people hurt people and you know you, you can throw as much cliches um at it as you want and as much as you know i'm six foot three i'm in reasonable shape at the moment i do crab magar i can look after myself but i i'd yeah. be lying if i said that I don't care what people think about me because there's an element of me that doesn't, but if you genuinely don't care what people think about you, then you're effectively a psychopath. So yeah, you know, yeah. everyone does 
compare a little bit about what you know and you can normally sort the the, the wheat from the chaff but a lot of it is um is misunderstood but also people like to um people like to put people in boxes and you know again jumping ahead on the on the story here I've done a huge amount about around mental health I've done a huge amount around suicide prevention and then I've also on occasion stepped back from that and then people go oh oh I much preferred you when you did your suicide prevention stuff and even the fact that people call it your suicide prevention stuff you're like ah, have you heard what you're saying out loud like, <laughs> yeah um, but they, they, they they just like people in their, their certain box and you know they you know I've been to networking events before and they've gone oh no don't talk about that do do the thing you you talked about pre it's just um yeah but you do just have to rationalize it and I always ask myself you know various questions well could I've done any more on this situation and could I be doing any more in the future about it and if I've answered both of those questions honestly then you know try try and move on yeah, um yeah but it, it's 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 hugely tricky and you know people just need to be kinder you know no one knows what's going on behind no. you know and we are particularly as men extremely good um at masking stuff and again you hear it all the time with the standard because we're very british about all this stuff i mean how's it going yeah good yeah good weekend yeah great yeah family good yeah great yeah everything's great just a lie like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know whereas um and there's, there's a um a chap i go running with now um and we're completely opposite in lots of views and stuff but get on really well and can be very open and honest with each other and he'll go how are you doing today and i go do you know what a bit teary today actually um not had a great couple of days um but let's let's just go for a run and and, and chat about it and stuff and it's having that you know no one generally says yeah, not good today. Yeah, no, yeah. never. Especially in, Even when you're in, not. in boys' groups. Especially in boys' groups. Like, I think the thing we all love about our boys' chats is it's banter. Everyone gets ripped to bits. Um, like, we'll and have there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, and, and that, that actually, if you're having a bad day, that can make you feel so much better. But within, within our friends' group, and we're trying to address this uh, and there's definitely a lot of work to do and that's even us within the lads who are, who are doing the podcast yeah we don't have enough of those honest conversations of how are you actually today are you all right is there anything you're actually struggling with what's on your mind what you're stressed about i think there's so much more in in the male uk society i, I can't speak for other countries but looking at the statistics globally it doesn't look much better um th there's a lot more we can do to get blokes to not think everything has to be crack banter carry yeah. on it, it can be some real truths because i think women do do it better than us they are a lot more caring than us like you met you referenced your partner before how she's amazing like mine's the, the best thing ever dean will say his wife's the best thing ever like how, because they're really caring and empathetic and Sorry, Ethan. I'm hoping you're not just going to say, "All right, no, I'm thank by you myself." For that. Yeah, thanks for that, Zoom. <laughs> thanks for pointing out I'm single. <laughs> I thought you'd want me to do that. I thought that's the way yeah. that you can. I mean, say, mainly Look, I'm a our, podcaster. I'm single. Our demographic is mainly men, so yeah. thanks very much, Lewis, for setting me up with all the men. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, Lou, you, Lou, you've made a really good. 
yeah, thank you. You've made a really good point there, and it actually it, it touches back to something I do mention. Sorry, Andrew, I know you've got your journey to finish, but something sure. you mentioned, um, the hunter taking it back to the hunter gatherer, and you're being this this big tough man, you know, especially sort of um, I'm similar height to you. I'm not really in a good shape, unfortunately, or reasonable shape. I'm a, I'm a bit like a melted yogurt at the moment, um, but uh, but looking at it, it's it's one of those things where I never had that outlet growing up. So similar to you, for the first sort of, I'm 30 now, for my first 26, 27 years, I'm not afraid to admit I didn't really have an outlet to talk. Um, even when, obviously, I've, I've mentioned with my friends who've, who've sadly passed and took their own life, I would never talk about anything because me my father wasn't around in my life and my, my two grandfathers, well, and, and sort of my uncles and things like that, they were very tough men and they didn't talk about their feelings, you know. Um, the one was a football manager, the other was a builder. So they they were very much in male-orientated in male oriented jobs and they wouldn't want to come home and open up their partners and they wouldn't listen to my... As much as I, I love my mum, she wouldn't want to listen to my shit either. So, it, you know, it's tough finding out, let the talk, but obviously organisations like yours and, and others and, and learning from, like Lewis has said, having these conversations, especially on this podcast, it's a real eye-opener. And obviously, I just I think it's, it's something that men should do a lot more. Even going for a coffee or, like you say, going for a run and not being able um, to, sorry, being able to go for a run and physically have that communication with a, even a friend, say, I'm having a bit of a tough day. This is why, but let's get this run sorted. Let's get the endorphins going. Exercise is a massive thing. Um, for improving sort of health, mental, physical, you know, so so I, I really sort of can relate to what everyone's saying in this pod. I appreciate you, your honesty, Andrew. So I'll let you go back to, to your story there, mate. Sorry for the button in again. It's all right, mate. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, Ethan, you did all good there, mate. I think, Andrew, what would be interesting is probably around some of the, the, the battles that maybe you've had, which then led into you doing some of the work that you did. Because there's got to be a reason. People don't, like, I, I'm not just doing this because I fancy it. I'm doing it because of maybe some of the challenges that I've had and I've seen my friends have. So yeah. what is your why for doing some of the work? So um, I always used to have decent jobs, um, always around yep. sales, um and look, looking back on it and this is a very simplified view of stuff but look you know if, if you're a caveman and you're in your cave saber tooth tiger comes into your cave you get a load of chemicals that go you need to get out of this because this is not going to end well and then yeah. you cave you cave manage the cave if i'm in a big um target driven sales high pressure board level getting a load of grief off some clown mm -hmm. my brain is going to go you, you you need to get out you're not in here get you know mm -hmm. go go and then you obviously can't just sign the boardroom so then you get some more chemicals blah 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 now whilst all this was happening i didn't know what was going on with me so i used to um go on uh trips so i used to make trips up to edinburgh or london or bristol or, or wherever and go away on a, a monday and come back on a friday and i pretend to make meetings up um and then we'd basically go and hide in, in a hotel room um drink heavily and cry and hide under a, a, a duvet um yeah. and didn't really know what was going on with with me could because the depression thing the the mental health side of stuff had been dismissed from what i learned when i was 14 in, 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 a, in a drug lesson so i didn't know what was going on and i didn't know how to cope with feelings and stuff 
Um, and this went on for a while um, and then eventually plucked up the courage. We'd gone out for um, a meal. My mum was down and was looking after the kids. Um, and I just said to Lou what, what I'd been doing. And she obviously was, was horrified um, and then went to, um, she persuaded me to go to GPs. Um, now, the first GP I had just dismissed it. They were rubbish, absolutely rubbish, dismissed it, just said, well, you just need to sort of pull yourself together and, and that was it sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah. so then this carried on for um, uh, a longer time. Um, and then that's when those, um, I, it was out of control and looking back on it, you know, there was a number of times when um, I can now recognize that I was, I was in a crisis situation, um, yeah. not being able to, to cope with it or deal with it sort of thing. Um, Eventually, then went back to the doctors. Same thing happened again, and then I found a a, a, a better mental health lead GP um, who said, "Yeah, I think you've got classic symptoms of um, depression and stuff." And I just didn't didn't want. I just didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've at the time there were three close people who had taken their lives, um, and I remember. You know, just being very angry at the time with them because I didn't fully understand what what was going on. Um, that you know, it was almost like a selfish thing. I thought they were they were being selfish. I've got a completely mm. different view on, uh, on that now. Um, but then, once you then get into the the GP side of stuff, and this is where I'll probably rant for a bit. So do you cut cut me off if I'm ranting too much. No, no honestly, <laughs> it's it's it's, de- it's definitely what people need to hear. I think. Yeah, hundred um, percent. They start you off um, on the cheapest antidepressant that, that you can get. I think it was fluoxetine at the time. Um, and then they titrate you up on, on a dosage. And if it doesn't work, that has to titrate you back off again. And then you get the second um, cheapest one. The same thing happens again. You have to titrate up and then titrate back down again. And then once you've had the third antidepressant, which they titrate you up and titrate you back down again, because you've then tried three different antidepressants, they will then put you forward to um, the mental health team. So throughout all of this, I'm struggling to hold down a job. It's not going well at home. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm self-medicating predominantly with alcohol. Um, And if it wasn't for Lou constantly getting on, you know, she was my um, advocate for trying to get me into a system. And you then start doing your own research and stuff. You start thinking, well, I need to get to the better drugs. I need to get to um, the mental health team. I need to get to the fabled CBT. I didn't know at the time what CBT was, but people obviously talk about um, the combination of uh, talking therapies and medication and stuff. Um, and then I just, the, the wait to get into the mental health side of stuff was just taking forever. And I've, you know, I've condensed probably two years there into uh, a a, a few sentences and stuff. So then um, what I started doing, um, and this was, you know, it's, it's, I stopped myself thinking, so I was about to say I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed of it, but I was stockpiling um, medication with a plan of um, taking my own life, Um, which, you know, looking back on stuff now, it was just a very, very desperate time. But I eventually did get into then the mental health team. Um, and then you get on to 
in inverted commas, the better drugs. So then, um, and I'm at a quite, at this point, I'm at a quite high level of citalopram. I think I was on 45 milligrams of that. And then they started me on quetiapine, which is an antipsychotic drug, and that got ramped up as well. Um, and then they moved me on to um, lithium. And throughout the whole time, my mood's just really bad. I've been managed out of two jobs by now, mm -hmm. um, which for legal reasons I can't talk too much about. Of course, um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, they're probably not listening, um, but you know, there's, there's a big piece around um, corporates and, and, and what they what they need to do. Um, yeah. So then I'm I'm at a stage where um, there's no income, um, and this is going full circle. So because I had you know decent jobs, we had a very nice house with a very large mortgage. Um, we have two kids at nursery. I have no job. Um, mm -hmm. so then you get whatever, I mean, to fight, to get the PIP, the forms you had to fill out to get the PIP was, was, was absolutely, um, ridiculous. Um, and then, so at this point I was on 800 milligrams of lithium, three, seven, five of quetiapine and 45 of citalopram. So it's over a gram of drugs, um, mm -hmm. which again, then I did the second lot of stockpiling, um, with, with plans um and looking back on it and this is a really difficult thing to say but it was a it was and is an option for me um but it's one that i can manage in my head that it's not the option i'm going to take but mm -hmm. and i've spoken to and i'll come on to this in a bit but i've spoken to numerous people for me and lots of people will trivialize it and the language that people use is extremely important but when people say you're not going to do anything stupid are you it instantly trivializes it mm -hmm. so, you know by saying well it, it's stupid thinking about that and for me there was some comfort in having an option even though now it's not it's it's there but i'm, ne I'm never going to take it for yeah. me gave me a a, a certain level of of comfort as a almost like a security blanket type of thing mm -hmm. for it like there was um, always a way out sort of thing yes um but it's managing those thoughts because you know if, if i if i tell you to think of, not to think about a pink elephant you're all now thinking about a, a, a pink elephant so if people say well, yeah. well just don't think you know you can't you just have to learn how to to manage those thoughts and stuff um this you know we're now in a huge amount of um debts um my lou was flying me up to my parents in um, scotland so that i wasn't left alone ever so they're looking after me um, during the week and then flying me down at the weekend and stuff um and then we'd we tried everything we'd even gone for we went for a private session at the Priory, which I think was 300 quid for an hour to chat to a doctor um, who basically said, yeah, you just need to stay on those drugs and maybe swap out this one for a slow release drug. 300 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not help at all. Yeah. Um, and then it was literally a last sort of throw of the dice. And I think the consultant just didn't know you know you're only seeing them every four weeks or something um the 
the side effects from all of that medication is is quite severe in terms of night sweats you're not sleeping it, it, it impacts on that um the tremor that you have in your hands from from lithium um isn't good you've got to go for regular blood tests to make sure that it's at a not a damaging level to your organs as well as at a therapeutic level as well um and then they started talking about it was it was it was eventually diagnosed as drug resistant severe depression was the was the diagnosis sort of thing um then they started talking about ect so ect um electroconvulsive therapy my only experience of that was watching one flew over the cuckoo's nest which mm. didn't come across particularly well in, in yeah in, in in that film um and you know my parents were horrified that they were even discussing it but lou and you know at this point i i completely have disengaged from family life from the kids from from all that sort of stuff um looked into it it's obviously changed a lot since the 70s um but the issue was there's only a you know a couple of places in manchester that do it and it needs to be in a secure facility um and i think there were maybe 20 beds in bolton and 20 beds in in trafford sort of thing so you're then waiting for one of those spaces to come up um and then you become an inpatient and so but you're then in a very very dark place yourself and you're then put into a mental hospital and i was ill mm -hmm. some of the people in there are significantly <laughs> more real than me and it was a relatively violent experience in terms of you know everyone's got various issues going on and stuff but it was just you know so i had my first um ect on my 40th birthday um the care wasn't massively great i got taken to my room afterwards where i then i don't know any of this but fell cracked my head open on the sink and stuff and you know this went on for 10 weeks or so um yeah. and it's not dissimilar to um you're probably all too young to remember the ray winston film scum but in terms of that sort of uh, level of you know there's barbed wire everywhere it's just yeah, a very, yeah, yeah. Very, and you know we all know that the nhs is is hugely underfunded overused etc 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 you know I, I don't have an answer for that but that entire journey from me or Lou recognizing that I wasn't well to a couple Sick of times side attempts to various medications to, you know, it's like three years. Mm. Wow. That is so such a long time. It's such, and this is why and you, you touched on the stats on, on one of your posts today, but you know, this is why it's the biggest career of men under the age of 45. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy that the, the, the money's not there and this is a preventable thing you know yeah suicide you sort of touched on it earlier about about the global stats but in terms of natural disasters wars terrorism it's up there <laughs> suicides more than all of them put together it's it's yeah, yeah. This is just from the stats and i don't know how good you know not being disparaging to any country but the congo india russia china i don't know how good they are at reporting suicide stats you know, I'm yeah. sure the numbers significantly higher. Um, but there was one session which did potentially, they think, 
flick a switch in my in my brain. So the way that ECT came about, particularly with um, people with depression, is they'd noticed, I think back in the 50s or 60s, that people who were depressed but had um, epilepsy, once they'd had a fit, it seemed to reset the brain on okay. some occasions and it sort of got them out of a depressive episode. It is by no means um, a solution, but it gets you out of a particular episode. So throughout that three years, mm -hmm. there was probably three huge, dangerous, proper depressive episodes, and it can get you out of one of those. But okay. statistically, um, you know, within seven years, most people who have it end up having a relapse and would need to have it again sort of thing. But it was a very, very strange time and if it wasn't for Lou fighting constantly 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 fighting against the mental health team social workers doctors consultants all that sort of stuff I guarantee I wouldn't be here today mm. um, wow. but the system itself for me just didn't work and you know within all of that I, I CBT with NHS stuff and that didn't go particularly well they just said us oh, yeah we can't help you it was it just wasn't you know you you get taken into you know i remember when i first met up with the mental health team you get taken into a an nhs site somewhere there's no windows you know and then i remember speaking to a psychologist saying i, I needed to sleep with the curtains open um and i needed to be able to see the sky it was just a, a quirk at, at the time sort of thing i remember one of the doctors going oh it's because you um, like to see God and you're thinking about death all the time. Well, I'm an atheist, so it's, it's definitely not that. But I said, no, it's not that. He went, no, no, it is, it is. And you just get dismissed at every... Yeah. Yeah. You get treated very patronizingly, you know, and dismissed and almost like... A, it's almost like the caste system in India. that you, you're, you're, you're further down the pecking order um, yeah. with, with, with all of this. And I remember when I did a post on... LinkedIn, which at the time was like, oh, well, I'm just going to put this out because I don't care anymore um, mm -hmm. about I've got depression. I'm going to go have ECT done. And I'm well aware this is going to ruin my um, career, but I'm just not asked anymore sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd done a video on, on Facebook the other day about um, I was going through the medications um, at the time. And one of um, my mates had reached out to me and said, you know, it, it was really um, brave of me to do all of this and we touched on this be before but lots of people won't do that because of what's happened to various people in the past when they've admitted what well, i i don't think it's a weakness but lots of people will think it is a weakness i think it was um i mean there's, there's obviously various different um mental health issues but i think it was Catherine zeta jones said that she was um bipolar um mm -hmm. and hasn't really had any work since because people just go mm. It's, it's a bit of a mm. risk. And if it wasn't for me now being self-employed, doing lots of other stuff, would I have divulged a huge amount of this, which, you know, it, yeah. it goes back to, 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 to the bigger piece. Um, but yeah, the whole system to me, and then, you know, medication's great and it works for a, a lot of people. Um, likewise, talking therapy is great and it worked for a lot of people. But that three-year journey... Mm -hmm. It sounds like you had a really bad experience, to be fair. Um, I think I had a better experience than most. In, in and, terms and that's of, terrifying. 
which is terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's terrifying for for someone who I can only speak for myself, but my own experience, I haven't, and I and I don't mean any disrespect here. I hope I obviously never get to that degree of uh, severity with my with my mental health. Um, but that's ter- your your story is really terrifying. Not only uh, I have so much empathy for what you've been through, but the fact that there wasn't clear support for you to get through that. There, there didn't seem to be a pathway of them identifying what the issue was at relevant checkpoints to say, actually, this isn't working. We'll go here. It, it, it seems like they've potentially just given you the the, the process that everyone the road. has to go through. But the, the process that everyone has to go down, it wasn't like a tailored support for you as an individual. It was your, this is our process for mental health and how you're feeling around depression. You're just going on that same journey as everyone else. And ultimately, wherever you end up, you end up. And that just doesn't feel like what care and health and and support really should be. And And I think you're probably suggesting that a little bit around where you say there's not enough funding for it. Because the, with the funding allows the ability to provide more personalised specialist care for individuals versus that one-size-fits-all approach, which actually means people are just going to slip through the net and potentially go on a further deterioration of their mental health versus having um, support in at, at point of referral or point of, I need help, to stop things getting much worse. Yeah, It's very much a one... Sorry, it's very much a one cap fits all, doesn't it? I think mm-hmm. that's the, that's the summary I'll get, Andrew, from your journey and what what a journey it's been on in, in such a long period. And you know, I'm, yeah. I I commend you for opening up and and how in the honesty yeah, to do that too. because, like you say, people look at you in a different way, and whether that's intentional or not, you know, um, it, it's something that maybe people will talk in a different manner. Maybe, like you say, you, job opportunities might go a different way. You know, it, it's so life impacting. Um, you know, unfortunately, I've been advised of medication, talk therapy myself. You know, the big one, I think, a lot up in the Northeast, which a lot of people are on, is um, Sertraline. Yeah. I think if, if that's what I'm, if I'm saying right, I think that's like something that everyone is and their dog sort of who struggled with their mental health in the Northeast, especially who I know um, and who I've spoken to, they seem to just be given that. And, you know, if you speak to the talk therapy up here, which I have as well, on the NHS, and you know, I, I commend everyone on the NHS. You know, I know they're overworked, underpaid, probably undertrained, and mental health and, and health in general is such a minefield. But the the talk and therapy is very much the same. Um, I remember sharing a story similar to you when I was speaking to to a therapist during the COVID sort of time, and she said she asked me if I had a spare room, and I, I said I did, and she what she wanted me to do was fill that spare room with. Um, photos of, of people I like, objects I like, smells I liked, and she wanted me to make that an escape. And I thought it was a good idea, and you know, it, it worked for a while, it, it lost its novelty after a while. But the fact that three of my friends also had that same conversation, and I wasn't the person to go and open up to them, they were the, talking about it to me and to other people, and I had the conversation. And it was a real eye opener because of the fact that, you know, I'm thinking. This is work for me. I'm special. You know, I've been able to overcome these battles when really you just become a statistic. You know, you, it, it's just a regular routine. And if that doesn't work, we'll try this. And like Lewis mentioned, it's just 
one, two, three, four, five. You know, you're just following a process that's not unique to you. You know, Andrew, your journey is so much different than Lewis's. Lewis's is so much different. Dean, Dean, so much different than mine. And I think none of us will get the respect or the the treatment that you want, and the fact that you've sort of been kicked down the road for sort of three or more years, and and it, it's now sort of got to the point where you've had that therapy, and um, the ECT stuff. It's it's insane that you've had to wait so long. And it, I commend your partner as well. You know, Lou for, yeah, for doing all incredible. the hard work. She she's done the hard yards as much as it's been your battle. She sounds like the person real the driving force behind you. Um, you know, so you've got to take that up to her. You're a very lucky man for having her, I'd say. 100%. And I think just on the statistics point you, you made then, and it's so true, and I can't remember who said it, but I don't think it was anyone particularly nice. It might have been Stalin or somebody. But they said, you know, what, what one person who dies is, is a tragedy, but a million people who die is a statistic. And as people have become numb to the fact when we go, suicide is the biggest killer of men under 50 globally, or, you know, in the UK. And people yeah. just go, yeah. Like, but it's you about the numbers behind that that phrase. It's frightening, and you know, significantly more people will die following lockdown, issues with mental health around that, than will have died during that the, the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. when you think, you know, as as horrific as as the, the, the pandemic was, and you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of people have died. The amount of money which was thrown at it to solve that problem, it's kind of, you know, it, it did all right. Likely when, you know, when Ebola was coming out of West Africa and stuff, a huge amount of money was thrown at it to, to sort that. And for some reason, and I don't know what it is, the suicide conversation isn't being had. It is obviously with, with us and you guys, but not on a... A political level a, to, to political drive real change. Yeah. yeah. You know, I believe there is a... Um, minister for suicide in the uk but i couldn't tell you what they're doing or what their name is or there's just yeah. no you know and as, as interesting as the, the past three days has been because gary Lineker sent a tweet you know there's there's bigger things that we could be talking about around yeah. around this which which affects us all ev and you know you'll know as as, as i do the ripple effect mm-hmm. When somebody does take their life, you know, at work, within a family, in the community, it's it's huge. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know what the block is. I think it's, you know, it, it, it could be old values. You know, there's the fact that people still talk about it as a crime, you know, committing suicide as if you're committing a crime. But there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not talked about at school as much as I'd yeah. like it to be. Um, yeah, that I think that's a really good point. I, I don't know if you've seen the guys. Um, there's three dads who each lost their child yes, to suicide. Yes, yes, and they were in. They were actually. Um, I believe they they did a big petition, and it actually went to Parliament today for ah, okay. to, to to be uh, to be discussed because I think they got the hundred thousand. Got the hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm actually connected to Tim, one of the dads on. LinkedIn and hopefully uh, we can eventually get Tim to come on as well once we get some idea of what that that bill looks like because yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right if we just focus on mental health if, if for example we're all in the or have been around the business world and if you really want to drive change yes there's the top-down approach adults um so it, we're all men and if we address it at men level great 
But then there's always going to be that succession of children coming through with mental health issues, just topping up the issues every single year. We really need to address the issue from top down and bottom up. So there needs to be those um, really personal conversations, opening up the, the ability for children it doesn't have to go to the extreme, but to be self-aware on their own mental health and equally how their actions impact others' mental health. And we need to have those conversations much sooner. So I, I went through school. So we're all roughly the same age. We're, 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 in a, we're 30. I don't think I really heard about mental health till I was about 20. It wasn't yeah. something that I was ever really aware of. Um, and I think it's something that if we can address it at, within the curriculum, it would fit perfectly within within uh, physical education PE. It fit perfectly within science, um, perfectly within English language, where your communication skills, that IT with social media. There's there's so many different areas within the school curriculum where education around mental health could be such a complementary conversation and education part to enrich children's lives for the real world. Not necessarily just to pass a test, but to actually to be a thriving adult post-school. And I think there's so much more we can do. I would agree, because especially after Andrew's sort of comments, you know, Andrew, you define it as health. You know, we refer to mental health just to sort of distinguish, especially on this podcast, because obviously we've mentioned sort of physical health in previous episodes as well. And there's so mm -hmm. much emphasis in, in high schools, middle schools, you know, you look at Jamie Oliver, things like that around mental, uh, sorry, about physical health and diets. And, you know, there was chaos 10 years ago when about he, Jamie Oliver getting the, yeah. the school lunches changed, which ruined my uh, life. You know, <laughs> Twizzlers. Where did the turkey Twizzlers go? I know, exactly. You know, and, and, and you know, the worst day of my life, that honestly, the worst day of my life when they're talking about the Cadiz. Um, when the pasta, when the pasta kings went, I was done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so much emphasis on physical health and you know there's there's kids in school who i think they're, they're fine now if they forget their PE kit. i mean we used to have to do it in where we're school kit and your school boxers uniform yeah the lost and found i was too fat for the lost and found so it always <laughs> boxes. but um you know there's so much emphasis just going back to my point there's so much emphasis on physical health and like lou's mentioned there and andrew obviously you touched on the the mental side of it it should all be in one. You know, it yep. shouldn't just be distinguished as if you can run ten miles or if you can run a marathon or if you can lift a certain amount of weight, you are classed as fit and well. It should be included in mental health as well as that and taken more seriously as you know, or as serious as physical health because it's such an important route. And there's so yep. much time in, in, in the school industry, you know, it's a big big thing of mine where you know we're not taught enough sort of adult life lessons, I think, in school. Life and skills. this is a big life skills, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, you know, I could build a birdhouse, no problems. Not that I ever have, but I can't talk about my mental health or do my taxes, yeah. you know what I mean? Pythagoras theorem, but I couldn't open a bank account, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Don't tell joints, so, but yeah, can't, can't run a business, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's it, yeah. 100%. There's so many, there's so much depth to that part of the conversation, isn't there? Where I feel we could literally all talk about this forever. And I'm sure we probably will. But I think what would be really interesting, Andrew, so just to make sure that we stay within your topic and, and your journey here. Um, firstly, thank you very much for opening on that part and 
but what I'd be really interested in. So it's it's great to understand what the struggles were. And obviously, I'm really grateful for you sharing that. But how have you gone from where you were to, to where you are now? And, and how would you describe essentially where you are now, having gone through that experience? So in terms of myself personally, um, yeah, I mean, what I, what I wanted to do was once I'd come out the other side and, you know, we've condensed a lot and I've missed a lot of nuances out there but you get you rough get the rough idea of, of, of how it came about i was thinking there has to be a better way if i've yeah. had such a rubbish experience there has to be something else so i then set about with a very uh, lofty um task of trying to reduce global suicide on my own <laughs> um and so um invested a lot in retraining in learning in getting on courses in mentors in speaking to people in setting up um, different tech in retraining as a pt and finding stuff which you know i was very much not wanting to go back to the hospital um yeah very much wanting to get off the meds and very much trying to find something not as a medications bad hospitals are bad talking therapies are bad but just trying to find something which would work for me and if it worked for me it might be able to work for other people and it would give other people an option um mm -hmm. to use either in conjunction with all of the other stuff or whilst they're waiting to get into the system whilst they're waiting for you know it's hard enough to get a gp appointment at the start of that three year yeah. thing as, as it is all, all, all the way through to the end so that was where hero transformations came from um and i just did a lot of stuff around fitness around nutrition around goal setting around meditation around mindset stuff and everyone lots of you know i was surprised a lot of it didn't come up in the talking therapies um mm -hmm. but looking back on this now a lot of this stuff is was quite basic and i was very angry that nobody had suggested it's a quick win like for, for a lot of this stuff so it was you know writing down three wins from the previous day um which seems really small um but yeah. my three, my three wins that i'll write down i always do it at night um from, from today is i went for a 10k run in the rain it was disgusting but i got it done um nice. i went on um a podcast um yeah. and um had a nice smashed it and smashed absolutely it. smashed it yeah <laughs> <laughs> had a nice chat with, um had a nice chat with my daughter um jess about what we're gonna do for mother's day so those three wins you know it's yeah. not sorted out the northern ireland protocol it's not found um a cure for cancer and it's not rescued the silicon valley bank in america it's three little things which yeah. three wins a day um 21 wins a week 84 wins a month you're over a thousand wins a year going yeah. back to what we said earlier it's those little things that that, that yeah. add up it's um you know sending appreciation messages whether it's you know texting your mum to tell her that you love her or checking in on an old mate or you know just sending something trying trying to give something um back you know trying to find something um fun each day to do which a lot of people um struggle with um as well as exercising to sweat um doing something to um further your education or your your business or your bank account it, it was building those little things up like that 
Um, and then that then morphed into um, coaching people. So then it was one-on-one -on -one coaching that I did. Um, and then we did some uh, group coaching. Um, and the, the elephant in the room with all of this is, you know, we've had maybe 180 people through Hero Transformations, um, which is a, a, a program which, you know, you, you, it's not a course that you finish. You, you, you carry on doing it and it's it, it sort of morphs into into a way of life but the, yeah the issue with all of this is i'm doing this as a as an individual trying to get out to as many people as possible and it's funding it's it's because what i'm trying what i had to do is charge people so mm -hmm. if i'm if i'm working with someone one on one if i'm seeing them three times a week there's a cost involved in that because i need to keep a roof over my head and i want to give my family experiences and, and of course and yeah and this is where there's a bit of a, it's it's adding a taboo subject to a taboo subject. So I'm talking to people and, you know, we've had people who, there was a guy who, um, he jumped off a bridge. So he, he was, you know, one of the people who jumped from a bridge. He, um, he landed in a river. Um, he was taken to hospital. They patched him up. The mental health team came to see him and said they didn't have room at the inn he needed to check in with his gp next week so that that's a true story what happened somebody jumped off a bridge and survived nobody could help him so um his friends had contacted me on linkedin they sort of crowdfunded it and then i i worked with him and he's now in a significantly um better place and, and doing very well and it's a success story um yeah but how many people do we know that wouldn't have the funds to be able to do that to, to, to be able to, to, to fund that sort of thing. So then yeah. I was trying to find ways to, because I didn't want to charge people for this, but there's a reality yeah. of I need to eat and I need to pay a mortgage. So then yeah. I tried to do everything, every money-making scheme known to man, oh. thinking that I'll be able to do this. So, you know, I set up um, e-commerce oh. businesses and we, we um, were, uh, you know, the semicolon, um, symbol so it's it's symbolic that you know writers use a semicolon um indicating that that their sentence isn't over and, and the semicolon is a uh, a symbol for suicide prevention you know as you're you'll see lots of people the tattoos of it um but yeah. you know your, your story's not over yet and stuff so then i'm trying to sell hoodies i'm trying to sell rings and stuff and the amount of going back to a, an earlier point um Ethan was saying the amount of hate that i got from that because they thought I was trying to monetize suicide. I'm not trying mm. to monetize suicide. I'm trying to raise awareness of it so that people can have these yep. services and get on these programs for, for for next to nothing sort of thing. So then I had to step away from that. So then um, got involved with um, Lloyds Bank. So Lloyds Bank do a school for social entrepreneurs. Went mm. through a couple of, um, you know, and you, you get a small grant, but it, it ties up a lot of your time but then and then i had to set up a cic to be able yeah. to get funding from stuff and then i was working with um housing associations helping out their tenants and stuff but then you end up doing hours upon hours over weeks and months writing bids to get some you know three or four grand's worth of funding to then try and deliver a program and my time's yeah. not best spent filling out forms and presenting to yeah, boards to try and get some yeah. funding sort of stuff 
So then tried to flip it. And as, as with everything, as we know, you've just got to follow the money. So then I was asking questions around whose who's job is looking after people's health and suicide prevention and awareness? Is it our own? Yeah. Is it councils? Is it the NHS? Is it employers? The money's with the employers. So then it's then contacting employers along the lines of, because if I called it Andrew Suicide Prevention Club, now it's going to touch me with a barge pole, which is where Hero Transformations came from. Um, and then it's you have to follow the money, and then it's speaking to MDs and finance directors and making them aware that actually there's a program here around fitness, nutrition, mindset, suicide prevention, goal setting, meditations, all this sort of stuff. But actually, yeah. if you've got a more productive workforce, because if somebody does go off long-term with, with, with health issues or, heaven forbid, take their lives, the ripple effect on from that sort of thing. Um, and then, the, you know, but then you're competing against bigger organizations around in, in, in employee benefits and stuff. But yeah. there's, so then it was then to try and make money from different businesses to be able to fund hero transformations for people and all that sort of stuff. But it's just a... And you're limited by time. The, the you're time, limited time, by time. Yeah. You're limited by yourself. There's only so many hours in a day and people think, and I get it, but that there is a cost to this, which... Of course there is, yeah. But yeah. people don't like to talk about it. People, and it's, as I say, it's a taboo on top of a taboo. Um, it's tricky. It yeah. is tricky. And it's, you end up, you know, you end up because the majority of people... And people are generally nice, but then you you know you're not going to turn people away, so you do it for free. Yeah, which yeah. then eats into the other stuff. And it's I not don't sustainable. Have, I don't have an answer to this. I'm just sort of sharing frustrations with another system, which yeah. is which is this which is this one. Yeah. Well, Andrew, it's just you, you mentioned there. No, no, Andrew. I think it's it's fantastic, and it's it's it's. Stuff that yeah. people don't really see or talk about. And just going back to, sorry, Lou, before you t say something there, um, going back to it, you know, there's so much emphasis on physical health. And you know, mainly during the pandemic, there was lots of um, people going on YouTube and the government then sort of recognising that and sponsoring certain fitness coaches to, to get the nation moving. You've seen them on TV, people signing multi-million pound deals with books, um, making money hand over fist and then you've also got the the opportunity where people are paying 20 30 40 pound an hour to work with a physiotherapist or a pt to to get sort of work on their body to work on their knees or get stronger or get fitter but they'll, they'll not invest the money all the time in their mental health which is equally if not more important than the physical health you know so you can mm -hmm. see, i can totally see where your frustrations frustrations are coming from from the fact that obviously you have to have those awkward conversations and people may be reluctant to do so, yet they'll go to the gym and, and spend it on a PT, yet that you had to jump through hoops when your work was, you know, so beneficial to so many people um, and you've had to sort of bend over backwards and literally take away food from your, your, your children by doing sessions for free and helping people out because of your nature, you know what I mean? So I can really feel your frustrations on that side for the work you've been doing. And it is a tricky one as well because of, I've wrestled with this a lot with um, 
the best results that we've, you know, the biggest changes I've seen in people is when they've, they have actually paid for it themselves. Well, a lot of the work that we did with um, housing associations, I'm then dealing with their tenants who effectively are getting it for free because th there's a pot of money from the housing association, but they wouldn't turn up to sessions yeah. because there's no buy-in from them and free has no value. So yeah. that's... Yeah, you're absolutely right there. You can't sell free. Free people go, there's a cat. Sounds rubbish. Shit. Yeah, it's it, there's a catcher at shit, and if and the catch is you're going to give something half-assed for free, but then try and upsell me this ten thousand pound project, and actually yeah. we don't have the budget for that. So yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think Ethan makes such a, a key point around it's crazy the misconception around, and crazy is probably not the right word when we're talking about mental health, but it doesn't make sense the fact that people will invest in physical health and that's probably because of the whole wanting to look good feel good there's that part um but your mental health is is so important because i know in times when i felt really low there's not a chance i'm going for a run there's not a chance i'm playing football or going to the gym because you you just can't get yourself out of that cycle so finding ways to to cope and to to perform at your best whether it's your work with your partner with as a friend sports whatever like the, the mental side is so important and you're absolutely right, Andrew, there has to be more we can do at societal level, political level, whatever that might be to whether it's through grant funding, whether it's through an employer's pot that is through some sort of levy, just like we do with apprenticeships or, or, or whatever. I think there has to be something that people can draw upon. And, okay, there probably has to be some element of a tender process just through vetting. and But I think it would be through the NHS. You should be able to bid for, for grants through the NHS where they are enabled currently to provide the, the right level of service to be able to outsource to individuals like yourself who has the lived experience, which is the most powerful thing you can ever have, um, plus qualifications, knowledge, competence, to be able to take people through that personalized journey versus that one size fits all mm. yeah and, and, and that's something that i'm sure over time we will probably try and push we're not there yet but i think that's in my head i have thought about that for quite a while ahead of this podcast around what the right level of funding and support actually looks like um and, and it's something that i would be really keen for for us to explore and once we've got probably a much wider following to to support us with that. Um, Andrew, yeah, considering where you are today, which by the sounds of it, you're in a much greater place, which is honestly amazing to hear. And I, I found your story tonight so inspiring for someone to be so candid and honest around what you've done and been through to now where you are today. Um, I suppose for our listeners it would be really good to understand your thoughts on if other people are struggling with their mental health and they're having potential suicidal thoughts, what would be your advice? What, what Having been through some of the system, and I'm not expecting you to say everything I say is perfect because, as you said at the beginning, you don't have all the answers and no one potentially has all the answers. But but what advice would you would you give people? There's a huge amount of help out there. And, you know, I know we've, we've taken a little bit of a, a step to the sort of negative side and stuff with this, but, you know, 
that that help doesn't just have to be NHS or Mind or your GP or uh, an online course. You know, that that can be your friends, your family. It it is, um, but you you've just got to be have that open and honest conversation with yourself. Um, what helped me was talking out loud into a mirror. I'm having that conversation, first of all, with myself before then sharing that um, with with other people. But, you know, things do get better. And, yeah. you know, myself, you three guys on the call, um, lots of other people out there are proof to that. And, you know, if I can go from, and I'm sure lots of you guys have been there as well, extremely dark places to to where I am now, then that that's that fact's been proven um and, and, and will be proven again. But what's you know, and it's a selfish thing, but it kind of works, what what's helped me through the work that I've done with Hero Transformations has massively helped me. You know, I obviously do it because I want to help lots of other people and try to reduce global suicide, but it helps me along the way as well, knowing that I've mm-hmm. I've 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 I've, um, I've helped other people. But it is talking. People will, and you know, I I I now live my life um, relatively strictly in terms of well, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And if I have a dip, um, and you know, this happened during the the pandemic. You know, if I'm coaching seven hours a day, I noticed a massive dip in my own mental health, but was able to recognise that and 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 change stuff accordingly. And likewise, if I'm having a bit of a dip, I'll go, oh, I didn't do my run yesterday or I didn't go to the sauna yesterday. But you do find, and I, I'll generally go to the gym every day. Yeah. I have an hour in the in the sauna and the, the steam and I'll do my meditation in there. But I'll always chat to someone. And you can see it. People crave that interaction. People crave that chat. And you see it at the supermarket. You see it on trams. You see it in pubs. You see it in gyms. You see it at the football. You see it at the rugby. People do want to interact um, with people, and it's just taking it that even just that one level deep. If someone mm-hmm. says, "All right, man, how's it going?" Go, do you know what? I feel a bit down today. Starts the conversation, and yeah. nine times out of ten, the person you're talking to will go, "Do you know what? I agree. I've felt really down for the past two months because of X, Y, Z. But I've tried this, and this is helping. I've tried this, and this is helping. I'm trying to do something different with this." And, you know, there's there's loads of, you know, Facebook groups, there's meetup groups, there's there's, there's a huge amount of stuff um, out there. But it's having that, you know, and this is where this is why I call it health. You know, if, if suddenly you, you started to feel the right side of your face dropping, you might be thinking, actually, this this isn't right. Or if you had a pain in your stomach or, you know, we, we, we almost wear it as a badge of honor if we've had um, a heart attack or we have to take diabetes medication or you know that's all normalized and people talk about that 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 all the time but it's it's being able to recognize that if you're having a dip or having an off day or you know something's not right it's just having that initial initial chat with yourself and then talking to someone else about it yeah no i think think that's that's a great I'm just wondering, yeah, Andrew, no, as well. Um, sorry, Lou, I, I do this all the time. No, go on. Um, go on some really good points there. I was just wondering if there was any sort of things that 
maybe you do now that you didn't do before? I know you've alluded to that you do, you know, your three wins of the day. Um, I, I don't know, but I'd imagine maybe you weren't doing that in the past when you were in your, you know, your sales role. So um, you're doing your exercising now, you know, were you doing that beforehand? Uh, what's some of the things you do now that you weren't doing before that that's helping with your mental health that others can sort of look towards, you know? Absolutely. So um, it, it's trying to, I, I try and gamify um, my life. So I try and pick up certain points each day. So, you know, I give myself half a point for exercising um, at a level where I'm, I'm sweating. I give myself half a point for sending an appreciation message. I give myself half a point for creating some um, food. Um, the the, the, the non-destructive fun thing. So you can't just make a bottle of vodka. That wouldn't count. Yeah. It's got to be watching a bit of comedy or having a, you know, even if it's having a, a disco in your car, you know, singing in the shower, you know, something yeah, yeah. like that. Um, half a point for meditation. I mean, meditation, it was something, honestly, I thought it was utter woo-woo nonsense 10 years ago. Um, whereas now, it's you're just exercising the most important yeah. muscle um, in, in your entire body. And again, there's loads of apps out there that you, you can try. And I had to do a lot of guided meditation to start with, whereas now I can do it whilst I'm, I'm out for a run sort of thing on, on, really? on my own. But it's, um, you know, it doesn't have to be you put the world music on and, and you know, you sit in your comfy chair and all, all that sort of stuff. It's it's just being able to to have that time, um, you know, breath work. Mm. Um, and it's 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 association as well. And, you know, if if you are. It, this sounds harsh, but if you're surrounding yourself with people who are a bad influence if they're dragging you down you can't change the people around you but you can yeah. change the people around you is is is, is the old yeah. adage you know you've, yeah. you've got to look at you know relationships constantly um to find out what you're getting from them and what you're giving to yeah. other people um as well it's that reciprocal um relationships and choosing who you're spending your your time with and yeah, what definitely. you know what 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 you're what you're investing in if, if it's not serving you then you know, there's there's people who I have to spend time with because I have to spend time with them. But I spend less time with them than than I have done in the past because it, it it's not serving me as a person. And it's yeah. you know doing what's you know I'm big on diary management as well. Um, but you know my my diary and it's probably linked to my OCD. But you know most of my day is mapped out. Most yeah. of my week is mapped out. But the first stuff that goes in there is the stuff for me. So it's my runs, it's my gyms, it's my Krav Maga classes, it's um, speaking to my coach. Um, it, it's that sort of stuff. Because if I'm not 100% firing on all cylinders, everything goes to shit. But doing what's right for you isn't selfish. And you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I remember my kids coming to visit me in a mental hospital. So if I don't do what's right for me now, that same thing's yeah. going to happen again. And I'm certainly not going to put them through that again. So it's, you've just got to put yourself first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's some really, really good advice, actually. With There was something you mentioned earlier, how a destructive part of your previous uh, life was the ability to go to alcohol in in your in your depression phase is alcohol still a part of your life now or is it something that you've removed out of your life no no the, 
moving it is, forward. It is, it is still a part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. And I probably do drink too much. Um, okay. And it's something I will need to work on and will, will always be there. Um, it's yeah. certainly not to the level as it was um, yeah. previously. Um, and to some extent, it is a coping mechanism on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's having that, like I own that, um, and it's having that awareness to acknowledge it and go, okay, there's, there's, there's that, but I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably never going to not do it. And likewise, you know, when I coached a lot of people, um, during the pandemic and stuff, you know, generally there's always something, whether it be, you know, you know, people, turn to stuff as copenhagen to ma- to mask what they're going through at the time you know whether that be drugs porn alcohol there's, there's generally something um mm-hmm. and it's i think it's very easy when lots of people not you guys but you know the people say we just need to stop doing that yeah well that's if i've not got you know it's you, you can't just you, remove need, you almost need to have something it. you can't remove something without replacing it with something else mm-hmm. um so um, it's yeah, I'm I'm not under the duvet with a bottle of, of vodka, but yes, I I, I I do I do still drink. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is Lewis's cue to tell you that he's gone teetotal for the year and he used to play for Plymouth Argyle Football Club. Those are two things that he gets into every episode. Uh, That's why he's asking. I've never. N- n- so, firstly, I've never said anything about football ever. <laughs> this is what they bring up. And, uh, so oh no, you mentioned this, Plymouth. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally. But obviously, I-, I laughed earlier when Ethan mentioned the names that he mentions his friends on every podcast, Ryan and Rob. Uh, they're, they're imaginary, by the way. They don't actually exist. <laughs> they're two, they're two stickman drawings on a piece of paper. What, on his whatever you need, everyone needs something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. But, so, are but you no, going that, to talk to Lewis? Or do you know what? It, it's the idea of um, trying to understand that that was a not i've never been um like an alcoholic or anything like that by by any means but it i want this year to be a year especially with doing the podcast where i just try and get on top of my shit being honest where i've like i, I feel like i have a a good job i work for a really good business i, I have a beautiful family i have an eight-month-old son i, I just want to get on top of my shit and i when I'm trying to do that, I, I'm not sure that alcohol, for me personally, everyone, I love a drink. I love a drink as much as everyone loves a drink. But actually, it's quite destructive in my life where I'll, I'll get in and argue with the missus or I will spend way too much money or I'll be hung over the next day. And I just, for, for me, completely off topic here, but I want to be the dad who gets up in the morning and plays with my son or goes and plays football with him. And I know I'm, I am I suffer really bad with hangovers, and it's just not worth it. So, Ethan, you've absolutely derailed me there, and it wasn't a point I wanted to make. It was just more around if excluding alcohol has been part of your recovery or not. And, it, and it's great that you are able to include that and still recover, because I think that's also really important for people to understand that you don't then have to become, I can't think of a, 
You're going to say a priest? Yeah, you don't have to become a monk. I was going to say a nun, but because I couldn't think of the word monk, <laughs> you don't have to become a you don't have to become a monk in order unless you want to dress up as a nun. But you don't have to be become a become a monk um, in order for you to overcome some of your challenges. You can still live a really positive and healthy life uh, and just do things in moderation. Yeah, it's it's having that raised level of consciousness and that self awareness of stuff. So, you know, yeah. and actually, so at the start, you know, um, my dad was down this weekend. So we were out Friday, Saturday, Sunday and had a relatively heavy w weekend. But, but it was lovely. It was fine. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll probably not have a drink now until Saturday. Uh, you yeah. know, and I've done dry January before and October and stuff and things like that. The odd month yeah. here and there sort of thing. Um, but it's having that awareness, which it sounds like you, you also yeah. have. But likewise, you know, with the knowing that relationships aren't serving you or knowing that actually... If I continue coaching seven hours a day, that's affected my mental health. It's it's re it's having that that I didn't have when mm -hmm. I when I first got ill. It's that it's that it's that personal development that everyone needs to do. Going back to schools, that's what they should teach in school, yeah. rather than Pythagoras and other stuff. Um, Agreed. <laughs> that 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 would be a big thing, you know. And again, ten years ago, people talked about personal development. Everyone thought it was woo-woo and nonsense and meditation was not you know it's all that sort of stuff but actually but uh, yeah meditation's still one of them for me and I, i'm sure out of all of us i would pick ethan would be the one to actually probably delve into that dean would say he would i meditate probably. do you yeah there you go. there's I something do, uh, i never knew five minutes in the morning <laughs> ethan's not having it i'm not having that like you weren't med i seen you know what it is i seen dino this morning in the gym he was not meditating in the gym. He was just yeah, wandering around, not knowing what he was doing. He didn't know what was going on. But no, I, I think I agree with you. I think meditation is a fantastic tool. And Dean, you know, taking that time out your day, I, mean, I know you've mentioned it as well. Um, Lou, I don't know if you've tried it before, but it, it is such a no, useful tool. Um, you know, it, it's something which I tend to do the morning and, and try and do the night time. Um, I think Patrick Stewart said that he tends to get up. Um, an hour before anyone else, you'll reflect on his day and you'll pick up a book and you'll so you reflect on the previous 24 hours and then you'll pick up a book. And what you'll do is you'll then proceed to move on with his day. And it's such a useful tool because of the fact that you can process what's happened yesterday and put it almost to one side, especially if you've had a bit of a rough day, I think. Um, you can have the tools to then not sort of sit on it for a couple of days, manifest, you know, and I think writing things down is, is a massive tool as well, not only meditation, but taking the thoughts from your frontal cortex and putting them on paper. You know, it, it's sort of been proven um, to, to take the weight off you a little bit and not such have a heavy burden. Um, unfortunately, that's not the scientific term of it, but uh, it, it's something along it those lines. Good. But it sounds good. It sounds good. If it sounds all right, fine. It's 100% true. And, you know, I, I would, I, I'm going to, generalize the entire population of the uk here but i think most people wake up reach for their phone go on social yeah. media see if they can have an argument whereas actually if you can uh, i drink a lot of coffee as well if you can have a coffee have a meditation think about what happened previously know what you're doing for that day because you've planned it out you're um you're not being reactive you're being proactive you know what you're doing for the day but you know you're in charge of the day um, yeah. Whereas a lot of people, I think, will just pick up the phone and react to whatever they see from whichever media platform that, that they're looking at. 
um, but it's taking back that control. I think it's the, the, the big thing. And you, you're, you're in charge of you rather than being led by other stuff. A hundred percent because it's such a, it's such a horrible, as, as good as social media and, you know, connecting with family, seeing family across the globe, you know, seeing cute dog videos and things like that. Despite being such a nice place at times, it is a very negative place. And that has the ability to ruin your day before it's even began. Like you say, you could pick your phone at eight o'clock in the morning. As soon as you wake up, you can see something and it could set you off for the, the worst day imaginable. And you're then trying to pick up the pieces for the rest of the day. It could have the counter effect as well, but it's such a negative place um, to, to be as well as sort of a positive. I mean, do you tend to sort of look at social media? Or is it something you, you're on heavily? I know you've obviously got quite a big following. Is it something, do you have your comments switched on? I know a lot of people who've got a bigger following as well have their comments switched off um, on that side of it. L less so, if I'm honest. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have my phone next to me. Uh, all, 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 all the time um but you know yeah. generally and it's it's not you know i don't say i've got a big following to to, to brag or boast or anything because generally people just try and sell me stuff i don't need and you know being a hundred percent open and honest when lou contra linked in i actually didn't think this was going to happen so i got, just get so much stuff that comes through and you just yeah. think that, that's that's not going to happen. I, you know, I genuinely didn't know how this this was this was going to turn out, but I just thought, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a look, sort of thing. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, I'm aware of the, you know, if I put a, a post out on Facebook and then I'll go back and go, oh, 10 people have liked it. I get a little dopamine hit, a little dopamine hit. And then I go back, 100%. oh, 42 people have, oh, little dopamine hit, little dopamine. When actually, it's a very short-term dopamine hit. Whereas if I can go out for an hour and go for a run, it's I'd, I'd rather get it um over a sustained happen. longer period of time yes. i find i find if you exercise have positive conversations do things that are actually fulfilling the dopamine hit isn't maybe quite as good as like that social media you're right absolutely it's like today my my notifications have been ping 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 oh, ping oh my because you tagged me yeah. in <laughs> yeah, I did. I did yeah. actually, didn't I? Yeah. So there's like hundreds of hundreds of likes, like loads of comments and stuff, and all you day. Just really been, ping, ping, ping. Yeah, really good. You're like, oh, yeah, this, this is quite addictive. I haven't done that in a while, um, and it does make you feel really good, but it's not. Um, it's not real. That, that's the biggest thing I would say. This is real. So us, me yeah. tagging you in a post, us having some backs and forward on on um, LinkedIn Messenger. That 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 was positive. But this is a real conversation. Like I think after this conversation, I will now forever look at you as a valued connection on my LinkedIn as someone who is super real, super honest, the most personable and approachable guy. That if if we have an oh, issue or something, we want to talk. Hit. There we go. <laughs> see, mate, and it's a real one. It's a real yeah, yeah. one. It's not a red button on a red <laughs> notification. A real one. Um, but but yeah, I, th I think that's where the truth in overcoming mental health challenges lies maybe not to to deal with your issue but that that ongoing battle that we discussed um earlier is having honest conversations regularly with mm. people who actually care about you and aren't going to just say things and, and and are scared of saying things that makes them look bad because you can't help like you would you would have been a really really shit guest tonight if you came on and just said yeah, I don't really want to talk about anything bad because I don't want to look bad. As you said, you possibly could have 
at yeah, the beginning yeah. if you had a really corporate you had a corporate job again like you like you used to so yeah, yeah. i think that the truth in helping people is owning your own truth and being relatable and and finding that common ground with people where then they feel like they can open up and you you have that sort of shared experience to to support each other through through sort of the battles that people have yeah it's trying to create that psychologically safe space that you can talk yeah. and it's you know it's you guys have made me feel very at ease very quickly but even little things you know oh he swore that's great that means i can swear as well sort of thing but we're, we're in a yeah. psychologically safe space yeah um which it takes time to get to but going back to you know advice for people struggling with their mental health you should be able to talk to your mates about anything you know i'm sure people have talked about a lot worse things than yeah. actually i've been feeling a bit down today rather than what they did on their latest spanish holiday with you know <laughs> that sort of thing but do you know what i mean it's if you can talk about the most intimate stuff you know you can definitely talk about having a down day yeah that is such a great point yeah ethan it looked like you're about to say something and then seeing that i was speaking so i'll let you have it no no i just i was just reflecting on the spanish holiday and the, the, <laughs> and the, the stories i've got which i'm not I'm not being uh, divulging, but can't air that. But no, you Yeah, we can't. Uh, we'll have to I'm sat here knowing Ethan for out. 12 years here, like. <laughs> Some dirt we never on went me. to Spain, so. <laughs> you know I, mean? we never went to Spain. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Lewis wasn't invited, unfortunately. He's at Plymouth Argyle trials. <laughs> You're such a prick. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but you are a prick. <laughs> yeah good um andrew i think what i would like to do just in, in very much conscious of time because we have done an hour and a half which is wow i'm pretty sure that that's what i would i said we'd roughly do um i want to start off by saying i'm really really grateful for firstly you coming on tonight um but secondly being so honest amazing insight like way i'm not sure what i expected but this is way better than anything i could have expected i think oh, um yeah, I, yeah your, your insight your ability to tell your story and and the way you tell your stories actually is super inspirational um yeah and, and i can see how you've moved from your personal journey and experience into helping others and uh, I would encourage anyone who is struggling with, with suicide or uh, some dark thoughts, reach out to Andrew and, and understand what he can and can't do to, to support you because I've personally have gained so much from, from tonight's episode. Thanks, man. 100%, 100%. I, I back that up, uh, Lou. You know, I, I think it's absolutely been a, a fantastic episode. And the, the fact yeah. that you've sort of deep-dived and you've been so sort of open and personable um, yeah. you know, I hope this can 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 help people and try and process their own journey and also make be a bit more comfortable to open up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think the, the goal for us was to to share our experiences, but my personal goal with this was to to just if one person can have sort of a good day or open up to someone, even that's a friend, a colleague, Andrew, Lewis, Dino, myself. You know, if you can open up and and sort of come down off the ledge, that that's sort of a, a job well done in in our eyes. So. I really appreciate the time. I mean, before I let Dino wrap up here, um, I just want to ask you a question. We tend to do something called here, no evil, 
uh, Speak No Evil, which is an old film from the 80s you might have seen with Richard Pryor in. But basically, yeah. it's, a, it's either a podcast or book that you would uh, recommend to any of our listeners or watchers, um, which you tend to listen to when you're running or something you read on a, on a bad day. Just anything anything of note that you would you would advise, if that's all right. So there's a book which changed my life, um, and I read it when I was in um, Moorside, which is the, the, the Trafford Mental Hospital. Um, and it is by a guy called Tim Grover, um, who was Michael Jordan's PT, um, who inspired me to, to um, retrain and become a PT. Um, and it, that's called Relentless. Um, and it's, 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 it's fantastic. <clears throat> I will definitely Fantastic. be reading that. Thank you very much for that. I'll I'll be reading that. I'll be reading yeah. that. Yeah, and we'll get the link as well uh, on the podcast for the book, so any of our listeners can also check it out and get reading it. Dino, do you want to close out the show? I just wanted to, again, just what Lou, what Lou and uh, Ethan said, just thanks for coming on, mate. Um, I think, you know, something that I've learned on this podcast is once we start opening up about things, we'll start to realise that we're not so far apart. Um, so, you know, your story will probably resonate with a lot of other people and they, maybe if people haven't, you know, opened up, um, it might be an opportunity for them just to just to say, because, I mean, some of the stuff you come up with, mate, you, you just completely owned it as well. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, you've been a brilliant guest, mate, and th- thanks for coming. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And just from my point of view, really appreciate what you guys are doing. Like, you know, it's, it's this work which is, you know, going back to an old Nelson Mandela quote, it's, it's, it's to you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And, you know, you, you guys are doing this, you're doing it from a place of love. You're doing it because you want to help people, um, which in turn will, you know, hopefully help your, yourselves as well. But, we, you know, we've all lost really good mates to suicide and we, you know, just want to stop everyone else having to go through um, all of this. So hugely appreciate the three of you and what you're doing. I think it's um, very special. And if you do want to start writing down your three wins for a day, definitely stick yeah. this one uh on it because it's uh it's amazing work and it often goes um unnoticed but if it's not for people like you doing it then if nothing changes nothing changes so mm-hmm. yeah appreciate you guys no that that has been honestly fantastic andrew and we are so grateful for it and i'm sure we will catch up in the future thanks very much mate perfect cheers guys cheers yeah cheers. boys andrew thank you well boys we've just spoken to andrew there how did you feel that went? Really, really interesting. It's good to um, get a good understanding of um, his mental health struggles and um, sort of some tips, hints and tips of of what you can do to, to better them. Some things that I hadn't thought about, like, you know, the, um, what was it, the three wins from the day before, um, giving yourself mm-hmm. half a point for certain types of ex- exercises. I think something to make it like a little bit of a, a little bit of a game as well. Um, really yeah. interesting points, yeah, and uh, good guest to have on. Really new stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're right there, Dean. I, I think the fact that he's setting himself um, goals with the the three wins and also the point system. You know, I, I know a lot of people these days are comparing themselves to other people. You know, um, these models on Instagram and you know PTs. You see, but you know, you've just got to remember it, it's you. Every day, you're trying to be better than you were yesterday. That's all it can yeah. be. And Andrew seems to have been on such a journey. Um, and the fact that he was so open, it was quite refreshing because a lot of the, the topic that 
he opened up on, people wouldn't want to discuss. People, like you say, is from a career perspective, it could hamper that. But the fact yeah. that he sort of wears it as a, as a badge of pride and he's been through that and he's then sort of come like a phoenix on the ashes sort of thing is, is sort of um, cliche as it is. And he's sort of then tried to help others. It's a real win um, for him. And, and I've got a lot of admiration for him. And I, he was just a really good guest, you know, and he, he, he was yeah. happy to open up. I mean, um, one thing for me as well, Dino, I feel a bit bad because... You know, you mentioned your meditation. I cut you off there. I mean, do you want to do you want to finish your meditation story? Why why do you meditate? Uh, what what do you get out of it? If you might ask uh, well, I just read a book called My Miracle Morning. So I, I, you don't know me as well as as what you'll probably get to know me eventually. But um, I've never ever been a morning person. Um, and I read this book and it's called My Miracle Morning. It's about the first hour of your day. Um, so I've been getting up at sort of like five five thirty in the morning. Um, and you do your lifesavers. So your first one, silence. You do meditating for like five minutes. And you do affirmations, which was one I struggled with. I feel really awkward doing it at the time. But, you know, saying I am confident, I am bold, I am powerful, all the rest I'm of bold. it for like 10. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I said that to my wife, she said, you want to be bold? <laughs> I said, no, I'm <laughs> bold. Um, and then you do, um, what's V again? Visualizations. Um, and then um, exercise, reading and scribing. So uh, quite a few of the things that he sort of actually mentioned, um, but just sets up your day, you know, the med meditation thing. I'm not very good at it. I, I really struggle to let my mind sort of, you know, relax. Um, but just some of the, the, the points that he made, I think really do help, you know, with, with your mental health, especially he it, it did touch, touch on it, but the, the exercise one, I've been having a bit of a tough week at work with all the targets and stuff changing. Um, and last week, I, it was really getting me down and I, I hadn't gone to the gym and stuff. So, you know, I set, set myself the target this morning of going back to the gym. So it's the first time I've been back in like for like 10 days. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really helped. Um, so, yeah, it really, really interesting. Glad to hear that, Dino. I mean, what about you, Vindy? Yeah, I, I, th I found him to be exactly the kind of guest that I wanted us to bring on to talk about suicide. I didn't want someone to come on, and, and we will get these sorts of guests, which they all have their place, but I didn't want someone just to come on and tell us how to cope with suicide for the first time we talk about it. I wanted someone to come on who was going to be really raw and really honest around their own experience. And I think Andrew absolutely delivered on opening up, being super personal. He told us things that, I wouldn't expect someone to come and yeah. tell us about how low he was feeling, um, about, for example, the alcohol and missing work because he was felt so low, the fact he had to get sectioned, that the, ele uh, the electric treatment that he had. That all mm. seems like the types of things that society, just we just don't talk about. And yeah. I think for, even though we're trying to drive that agenda, right, of everyone needs to talk about it, I even found myself thinking, wow, he's opening up a lot here because I'm just where we just aren't used to men yeah. opening up like that. And super inspirational, um, very humble as well. I, I don't think he gives himself quite the credit for the journey he's been on because yeah. many of many a men wouldn't have got through what he's gone through. And I also another point, I know I'm rambling slightly here. I didn't understand that the journey from self-diagnosis or saying I need help 
to getting the help and actually being okay would necessarily take so long. And mm. I think that's my own lack of experience and probably awareness of some of the wider, more extreme cases. Because three years going through help with the, the NHS, and it sounded like he was going through a deterioration in health throughout that period yeah, of time. It. Yeah, it, it's it's really worrying, actually. Um, but absolute fair play to him. And he, he, he was super insightful and um, very inspirational. There was a bit that stuck out for me when he um, when he said he was talking about stockpiling the pills, um, and yeah. he said, "You know, I'm not proud. I'm not proud." And then he sort of stopped himself and said, "Well, actually, you know, I'm not ashamed of it." Um, and it's sort of the owning that, you know, if he was still feeling those, you know, like ashamed of it, still, you know, not being proud of it, um, yeah. you know, it shows he's sort of dealt with it and and is moving on. But also the fact that. It, it's a journey. It's not, he's not, he's not at the end road now. Um, and, you know, every day he's still working on being a better person as, as Ethan was saying, saying earlier, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's something he's alluded to is there's no, there's no end. There's no finished product. Yeah. There is no, you know, last train stop on a Friday night. You know, you, it's a journey that you've always got to keep going on and, I think as as much as we bang the drum about how important mental health is, yet physical health overshadows it, people are quick to always go to the gym. You know, Dean, I saw you in the gym this morning, 6am, you know, I was there at 5am, I'm just saying, but you were there at 6am, you were there training, you know, you're working on your physical body and, you know, being frank, I would like to see you work as hard on your mental side as well because you're all saying already, that you are struggling with targets, you know, I know you've got your wedding coming up, but then it's also mm. refreshing tonight to then hear you say, obviously, what, what you do with your meditation, you know, the, the input you've taken and the self-learning you've done, because, you yeah. know, the, the, th- the three years, that's worrying, you know, and I've been on the mental health journey myself, you know, especially during the pandemic, you know, with my weight, you know, it's it's not helped at all with, with breakups and things like that. And I've been put on medication, I've had talking therapy, and it, it, I would hate to have been in such that a, such a situation like Andrew, where he's gone for so long. And there'll be people out there that have gone a lot on the same time frame, if not longer. You know, there'll be people listening to this that'll be on that journey. That could be two, three, four, five years in that journey. And you know, yeah. I want them to know that there is um, hope at the end of the the, the tunnel. You know, and there's always going to be those thoughts, and there's all it's going to be a process. There's no cure, would you say? But really, you know, that there's tools available, and I would implore everyone having those difficulties to go and, and look for help. You know, if you're not getting the answers you want in the NHS, if it's just pills being thrown at you, if it's therapy, whether it's good or it's bad, you know, you've got the likes of um, better help out there, mind, you know, you can go out for a run, your physical health is, is just as equal as mental health. There's so many different tools that I really want people to make sure that they're, they're taking control of themselves. Similar to what Dean's done, you know, pick up a book, you know, mm-hmm. spend five minutes in the morning meditating. Um, it, it, it's just it's such a taboo subject, and I do hope people can, can learn from Andrew. Um, my question, because Ethan, I know you're going to be the one wrapping us up tonight, which is great. Um, before we do that, I do have a question for the pair of you around that. Now that we've spoken to Andrew and suicide is on our radar and it, it always was but now we've brought it into our episodes is there anything you've learned today 
or on any of the episodes we've done so far that really stands out to help protect you from getting to that stage of potentially wanting to commit suicide? And I know I'm putting you on the spot there and there's been six episodes, but I think if there's any sort of golden nugget across the episodes we've had that, that stands out. It's a great question. Uh, there's been a few things. Um, but just I think a lot of it for me is is around physical health as well. I know like the, the mental health side, but it's coming back to like when I asked him the question of what he's doing now versus what he what he was doing after. I sort of had a feeling that the answer was going to be when he's talking about he's doing his PT and he's doing his running and stuff like that. You know, the physical side of it. When I find that when I stop doing exercise is when I'm at the most, at, at my biggest sort of, I feel flat. Um, things start to annoy me. I argue with the wife more. So I think, you know, doing physical activity and getting up and moving for me is just something that really helps with my mental health. Um, and mm -hmm. when I get injured, there's there's nothing worse. I feel so depressed. Um, so so just the getting up and moving for me is one that really helps with, with sort of my mental, mental health um, and, and keeping busy and active, you know. Before I go on uh, to my side of things, Dean, I think that that's, you know, you're very right in what you're saying. I think all of us are lucky enough to be active um, and be in a situation where we can be physically fit, um, you know, or, or fit-ish, or have the ability to get in a position to be fit. Lou, I mean, just before I finish, uh, finish off and give my sort of thoughts, what what about you? What, what, what about you to that sort of takeaway? Yeah, I think there's been there's two things that really stand out for me. There was the the point that's been discussed on a few episodes that mental health and or being healthy in general isn't a destination; it's a journey. That yeah. absolutely stays with me. You're not going to wake up one day and that's it; you're done for the rest of your life. We're always getting older. We're always coming up with challenges. We're always our bodies changing, our minds changing. We learn new things there's new things that are, are coming into our lives just to throw us off a little bit. So having that mindset of, and it probably a little bit of that growth mindset, that ability to continuously look for ways to improve, look for ways to be better, look for ways to deal with our circumstances in a, in a more effective way. So that that's one that definitely sticks with me. Uh, and I think when we had Tim on, um, it, it's that mental strength versus mental health, that that, that part around, don't beat yourself up for the external factors impacting your life because some things are out of your control, essentially was the message. Mm. Focus on the things that you can control. And if it's external things impacting your mental health, then go and get the right help. That they're, they're, they're sort of the two big things that I've taken away from this so far, alongside the hundreds of really great subliminal messages and different types of conversations we've had. But they're the two things that have stuck in my mind the most. 100% Lou, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, you and Dino have summed it up perfectly and I would hate to sort of go over and tread tread those marks, but, you know, you've, you've literally have nailed it both years. Um, you know, massive thank you to you guys and massive thank you to Andrew today. You know, just my sign-off message would be the, to anyone listening or watching, you know, no matter how dark the, the night would be, the sun will always rise the next day. So remember that, okay? Thanks yeah. very much, boys. Look after yourselves. Thanks, boys. Appreciated it. Catch you later. Bye-bye. See you later, boys. Bye.